This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you today? Doing well. I'm a little tired. I got a new hospice foster dog, um, just to keep on brand with Aging Matters and all the things. (laughs) Uh, He's in renal failure, so we're up every uh, two hours using the bathroom in the middle of the night. (laughs) You know, you've you've got a heart of gold. You you still manage to keep up with your garden as well. The foster dog thing, I, I don't know how you do it all, Mary, and you still find some time to come in here on WPTF and put on a great show. So we're always in awe every weekend of you. Hey, thanks. I'm excited about this show. Maybe it'll teach me some about uh, his chronic illness. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, we are going to be talking a lot about chronic illness and chronic pain this morning. We are very pleased to welcome our guest. We've got Dr. Gary Kaplan on the line. He's the medical director at Kaplan Center for Integrative Medicine and also clinical associate professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine. Dr. Kaplan, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a privilege to be here this morning. Thank you, Jason. Dr. Kaplan, I have. I, I want to start out. You, you do a lot of research and you talk a lot about chronic pain. And um, what is chronic pain or illness? I know we hear this term out in the community, and people talk about being in chronic pain. Is this defined by a time or symptoms? What is chronic pain or illness? Yeah, that's a really important question because chronic pain and acute pain are really two different creatures. So, and they're physiologically different and they have to be treated differently. So acute pain is you hit your thumb with the hammer and uh, it hurts. And (laughs) the end result of which is is a specific set of neural pathways that get involved. There's another subcategory called chronic acute. So what that means is there's ongoing tissue damage, Mm -hmm. but and intermittently you're having problems with pain, or you may have pain chronically. Your right knee, for instance, with osteoarthritis, chronically hurts when you're up and walking on it, but otherwise, it's not a problem. And so there are specific things we can do to address that pain. Chronic pain is a whole different creature unto itself. Chronic pain is pain that's present most of the time. There's, it's, it, it exists long past when the injury occurs. Specifically, we think in terms of at least three months past the uh, mm-hmm. normal healing process. And the pain continues even though there is no ongoing tissue damage. So it's a very unique process, and neurophysiologically, that is how, how it works in the brain is a completely different process also. So one of the things people are most familiar with with chronic pain is something like fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. Fibromyalgia is a generalized pain syndrome uh, where it's been present for more than three months. There's no clear cause of the pain, uh, and it's something that you've got to get controlled. I think now... And what my book's about is we actually have some really good insights into why you're in pain and what we can do to get you out of pain. Because chronic pain is ultimately an inflammation in the brain itself or damage to peripheral nerves. Hmm. So one of those things is going on, and we have much better insights into how to go about diagnosing and treating them. It's really helpful. You know, we're hearing 
a lot about the long-term impacts of COVID and chronic pain has been a part of that and something that has come up in recent research and studies as, as we move through the pandemic. Is this something that you're seeing in your practice? Absolutely. We actually have a post-COVID center as part of the practice. And so what we're looking at, and the definition is changing over time because we keep learning more, but basically is problems after you've been sick with COVID that persist for at least a month, more commonly three months out, uh, is what we're calling uh, chronic COVID or, or post-COVID or long hauler. And pain is part of the problem because one of the things that happened is the brain gets inflamed. And when the brain gets inflamed, all kinds of problems occur. Brain fog, focus and concentration issues, problems with headaches, problems with generalized pain, problems with sleep. So there's a lot that can happen as a result of brain inflammation. These are all symptoms, uh, but post-COVID is absolutely a piece of that. And we've got some really interesting insights into how COVID damages the immune system Mm -hmm. and then what we can do in order to treat that in order to help people recover. Wow. Did you find that in the long COVID or prolonged COVID, did you find that that is something in the more serious COVID cases, or is it kind of general across all COVID cases, there's no rhyme or reason to it? There is not a good rhyme or reason to it. So you can have a mild case of COVID and end up with chronic disease. In fact, we're looking at studies now that show that even mild cases of COVID in young people in particular, we'll see problems with inflammation of the heart that may last upwards of a year or longer if it does other damage. Same thing happens in the brain. Upwards of 30% of people who have COVID, we find a year later they have inflammatory changes in their brain. Inflammatory changes in the brain is a bad thing. Inflammatory changes in the heart is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And so this is, an in, this is not an innocuous bug. The good news is increasingly it's looking like the vaccines protect people against developing long-haul COVID. The data is not completely firm yet, but the studies range anywhere from, well, no, it didn't do much to as much as 50% prevention in terms of development of long-haul COVID. So those vaccines are important and they do help protect people, not just from the bug, but also from long-haul COVID. Wow. With chronic pain, it's something um, that seems so abstract. How do you diagnose something like a chronic pain or illness? So chronic pain ain't so abstract to the person suffering with it. Absolutely, It really yeah. is incapacitating and debilitating. Uh, it's something they're living with every day. They're trying to find solutions to. Uh, and the challenge is we... You know, there's not a lot of objective findings with chronic pain, meaning that we do blood tests and you look good. Uh, because if we don't ask the right test, you don't ask the right questions, you don't get the right answers. And so a lot of people suffering with chronic pain have been to the doctor. The doctor says, oh, it's fibromyalgia, which unfortunately becomes all too often a waste paper mm-hmm. basket diagnosis. Uh, and you're a bit dismissed, and they'll give you maybe Lyrica or maybe Cymbalta or two of the medications they use. If they work fine, if they don't work well, it's the way it goes. The side effects can be pretty onerous. And so there's nobody sitting there backing up and saying, wait, wait, wait. What is the cause? Why is the brain inflamed? How did that happen? In the case of COVID, we know that it's a virus, and specifically, it's a virus that broke the immune system. And by addressing the component of the immune system that was broken, we can actually get you fully recovered. Because with COVID, the bug still isn't still there. So it's not like you have an ongoing infection. What you have is an infection that came in, 
broke the immune system, and now it's the immune system that's the problem. And that's what's creating the ongoing problem. And post-COVID, one of the things we believe has happened is a specialized white cell that's been damaged, and we can map that doing what's called cytokine profiling. Cytokines are proteins that are put out by inflammatory cells that actually do the work of the inflammatory cells. So we can measure those patterns, and by looking at that, we can determine what the proper treatment is. So the good news is we actually have treatments. There are treatments that work. In the case of other conditions, and we're finding this with a lot of our post-COVID patients, it's not just COVID. The problem was the immune system was damaged early on, and the infection comes along, and that's what breaks the camel's back, if you will. So they are challenged because they have been toxic because of molds. So mold toxicity can be one of the problems that sets you up for this. There are problems because they have they're uh, set allergic to things like uh, glyphosates. Glyphosates mm-hmm. are um, pesticides or herbicides that we spray all over our plants. Well, we make plants insensitive to the glyphosate so that we can kill the weeds, increase the crop yield. The problem is the plant takes up the glyphosates and now they end up in your Cheerios. <laughs> now you're eating this stuff. And so I see the difference that happens with people who can't tolerate wheat, for instance. So gluten, celiac disease, which is an, an, an autoimmune disease, about 1% of the population. But gluten sensitivity, somewhere between 6 to 18% of the population. And wow. people find when they take all gluten out of their diet, breads and other substances that contain it, crackers, the, uh, they get better over a period of about a month. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times what I'll do with people is put them on what we call a hypoallergenic diet. Rice, fish, chicken, fresh fruits, vegetables. Clean them up. Get rid of corn, get rid of uh, gluten, get rid of soy, get rid of milk and milk products, and see how they do over the course of a month. And many times that will help uh, clean things up. The other things that we see is people who, and this is a big, big problem, adverse events of childhood, which is a horrible term, but the reality of the matter is there are way too many people who have been abused and neglected in childhood. And that can have long-lasting consequences on your immune system and then set you up so that your immune system is weakened. And in fact, we know that people who have had these adverse events 15% higher probability of ending up in the hospital with an autoimmune disease. 25% increased risk of heart disease as they get older. Uh, 25% increased risk of obesity as they get older. So these adverse events of childhood have long-lasting impacts on our health, and we need to be attentive to those because if we actually address those, we can actually reverse those risks. Wow. So there's lots of things that set you up for this stuff. Mm-hmm. But the good news is there's lots of things you can do to fix it. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. And we want to get into some of those as well. We're speaking with Dr. Gary Kaplan. He's medical director at Kaplan Center for Integrative Medicine and clinical associate professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine. He's also got a book coming out, Why You Are Still Sick. We'll get to that as well. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We're going to continue our conversation right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. If you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, you can go online to transitionslifecare.org transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Dr. Gary Kaplan, and he's medical director at Kaplan Center for Integrative Medicine and clinical associate professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine. And we're talking all about chronic illness and chronic pain. And Mary, just before we went into the break, we broached the subject of the, uh, the immune system. Yes, absolutely. And I think that it sounds like, Dr. Kaplan, one of the only way to combat chronic illness, chronic pain, is by strengthening your immune system. So maybe we start out, what are some of the ways that your immune system is weakened? You touched on it a little bit, but I want to dive in a little bit more there. Absolutely. The the good news is there's a ton you can do to take care of yourself, all right? So making sure you're getting good sleep. Sleep is absolutely essential to getting uh, having a healthy immune system. And the thing you want to pay attention to, if you snore, if you're waking up not refreshed, uh, if you're finding yourself falling asleep during the day, those are potential warnings of sleep apnea. Mm. Sleep apnea causes a reduction of oxygen to the brain and causes the brain to become inflamed. So about 5% of the population has sleep apnea. 85% of those people don't know it. So you've got to if you've got to make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. And a good night's sleep is defined as somewhere between seven to eight and a half hours of sleep a night. As an adult, as a teenager, probably closer to nine and a half hours. So sleep is absolutely essential, and making sure you're getting good sleep is essential. Uh, your diet obviously plays a, mag- a significant role, and so eliminating as much processed foods as possible, eating organic, uh, because all these pesticides are not good for us, as we started to discuss uh, earlier, and unfortunately, we've soiled the nest. I just saw a young lady, a 14-year-old, um, who has what's called um, pandas, mm-hmm. uh, and so she's got an immune system, which has really got her... Uh, revved up and has problems with depression and anxiety disorders and OCD and headaches. And part of the workup on her was finding out that she eats tuna fish every day. (laughs) Well, the FDA has said, you know, pregnant women shouldn't eat more than two cans of tuna fish a day. Why? Or two a week. Why? Because the mercury content in Mm -hmm. it. Well, I don't think the rest of us should be eating that either because mercury (laughs) is no good for any of us. This young lady was eating tuna fish sandwiches every day. She had mercury toxicity. Wow. So, yeah, we have to pay attention to this stuff. I see people who eat sushi on a regular basis. Occasionally, it's fine. I love sushi. (laughs) Love it. But on a regular basis, daily basis, not so good for you. I've seen people with mercury toxicity because of that as well. We have soiled the nest. So we've got to be very careful about what we're eating, and we've got to be very thoughtful about... uh, how we're nutritionally supporting ourselves. Another factor is exercise. Exercise is probably the single best anti-inflammatory in the central nervous system. And so regular exercise is extremely important. Definite, by the way, 10,000 steps, you know where that came from? 10,000 steps is the original company that developed a tracker was Japanese, mm-hmm. and its name was 10,000 steps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was not based on any scientific evidence. <laughs> so the data is 
yeah, you know what? Four and 5,000 steps a day is really good for you. So getting out there and doing as much as you can is extremely important. Uh, it doesn't have to be 10,000 steps. 10,000 steps is excellent. But four and 5,000 steps will give you plenty of exercise also. So exercise on a regular basis, best anti-inflammatory for the central nervous system. Now, we have to start getting into trickier stuff. If you've been in a water-damaged building, mm-hmm. about 20% of people can't process the toxins that are produced by the molds that grow in the wall. All right? So... And those individuals, brain fog, focus and concentration issues, chronic pain, sleep disturbances, all of the stuff we've been talking about is going to be a result of toxicity from mold. And about 20% of people can't process the mold toxins, and so that has to be addressed. Mm -hmm. But if you don't test for those mold toxins, either in you or in the environment you're in, you're not going to find them. So looking at standard blood work will miss it. So this is where it becomes important to be talking with a functional medicine physician who's been trained to be able to look for these more elaborate or more uh, expansive thought processes in terms of what makes you sick in your environment. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's the gut microbiome. The gut microbiome is your second brain. And if the gut microbiome is disrupted, that's about a two-pound of DNA and RNA of bacteria and uh, parasites and molds that are sitting in your gut that are supposed to be there and they communicate back and forth with your brain, and they determine the health of your gut wall, and they make a bunch of vitamins that you need. Mm-hmm. And so that gut microbiome's health is extremely important. And that's fed not just by the uh, food you're eating, but it's also how much antibiotics are you taking. Antibiotics will severely disrupt the gut microbiome. How much anti-inflammatory medication you're taking. In end sense, we focus on the fact that it creates potential ulcers, but... The ulcers that we're not thinking about are those in the small intestine. And 75%, 75% of people who take Advil, Motrin, mm-hmm. Aleve on a regular basis develop ulcerations in the small intestine. Mm-hmm. That interferes with your ability to properly absorb nutrients. It also allows the gut to become leaky, and that means that large molecules of foods are coming into your system that don't belong there, and now you start developing food allergies, the things that you otherwise wouldn't be allergic to. So there's a lot of stuff in your own hands that you can do. Mm-hmm. Other anti-inflammatories you could take, things like turmeric. Turmeric's mm-hmm. a nice, natural uh, substance that won't create the damage and will, in fact, help your gut heal. Wow. So there's things that you can do to support your immune system, and there are things that you can do to injure it. That's interesting. I, you know, back when I was in college and had terrible dental insurance, uh, I, I had a, I needed a cavity filled and I decided I was just going to wait it out and take a bunch of anti-inflammatories until I could get it filled. Um, and I ended up at a GI doctor with ulcers. Um, and it was really awful, uh, to come back out of that and, and to repair that. And it really wasn't ever the same, uh, for quite a few years. It, it was just an awful thing. Um, and I can imagine that there's many people that don't realize what they're doing when they're doing that like I did. Um, and the impacts of that are very long lasting. The ads tell us you got pain, take a pain pill. Right. The ads don't tell us if you got pain, let's think about why you have pain and let's treat the underlying problems so we can in fact get you better and keep you in optimal health. Because that immune system we're talking about, let's talk about Alzheimer's for a second. Uh-huh. All right? If you have lots of tau and beta tangles in the 
uh, central nervous system, okay, you may or may not have Alzheimer's. So these changes in the brain are considered the hallmarks of development of Alzheimer's, except there needs to be one other ingredient. That other ingredient is activation of a small cell in the brain called the microglia. Mm -hmm. The microglia are the innate immune system in the central nervous system. If your immune system, that microglia, is activated and kicking out lots of inflammatory uh, chemicals, and you have these other changes, then you get Alzheimer's. But if you don't have that inflamed, you don't get Alzheimer's. So this inflammation of the brain is extremely important for a whole range of problems, which also includes, by the way, multiple sclerosis, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, Parkinson's disease. Uh, and so we want to do everything we can to reduce inflammation, and we want to do everything we can to quiet the immune system if it's become overactive uh, in our bodies and our brains. Yeah, that's wonderful advice, and we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Gary Kaplan, who's on the line. He's medical director at Kaplan Center for Integrative Medicine and clinical associate professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine. He's also got a book coming out, Why You Are Still Sick. We're going to get to that, and we're going to get to plenty more as well. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Dr. Gary Kaplan. He's medical director at Kaplan Center for Integrative Medicine and also clinical associate professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine. We're talking all about chronic illness and chronic pain. And Mary, we broached the subject of inflammation and we, we kind of touched on mental health as well. And I know mm -hmm. you want to spend a little bit of time on that. Yeah, it's something that's very important to me. Um, I I personally see a therapist every other week. I try to preach to everybody how important your mental health is, especially coming through the pandemic. And um, there's so many people that were isolated or um, or being caregivers through a pandemic. I just, it has been so challenging for many, many people. Dr. Kaplan, you touched on it very briefly, and I want to circle back. Could inflammation have an impact on mental health uh, or cause other chronic pain? Inflammation, absolutely, positively is part of the problem going on with depression and anxiety disorders and especially bipolar disease. Mm. So we, when the brain is inflamed, basically one of the things that happens is it gets depressed. Another thing that can happen, especially we see in kids who get infections from strep and then the autoimmune system kicks in and starts attacking the brain, we end up seeing obsessive compulsive disorders. We also see rage behaviors. And so it it expresses a bit differently in, in adults than it does in kids, but what we see is depression. So when brains are inflamed, we see depression. And in fact, we work closely with a lot of psychiatrists because we find frequently, I've got a young man I'm working with right now um, in his mid-30s, uh, 
bright, bright guy, highly successful entrepreneur, obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety disorder, sleep disorder, depression, and it's not responsive to the medications. Why? Well, it turns out in him, he has chronic Lyme. Oh, wow. And, and the Lyme disease, not only does he got chronic Lyme, but he has Lyme disease and it set off uh, the acquired immune system. That's what makes the antibodies. Okay, and so now those antibodies, as opposed to just attacking uh, the bug, are attacking his brain as well. Hmm. So what we need to do with him is first kill the Lyme and make sure we get rid of all the tick-borne diseases that are in him. But then we're going to have to circle back and treat the immune system also. So it's a two-step process, not a one-step process. And then, as we've seen many times, the, I expect that the anxiety and the depression will all go away. I had one kid come to me who was, and understand, by the way, in my practice, everybody who's younger than my oldest daughter, who's now 38, is a kid. <laughs> so <laughs> increasingly, I'm running a pediatric practice. <laughs> but um, I had one kid come to me who was suicidal. I uh, tried to hang himself. Uh, I've been in psychiatric hospitals, not getting any better. Uh, and I worked him up, and he had celiac disease. Mm-hmm. He had no symptoms of intestinal problems. He had an autoimmune disease to gluten. About 5% of people who have celiac disease will present with only neurologic symptoms. And, uh, and so we need to step back and say, wait, wait, wait. What are we looking at? Why are you depressed? Mm-hmm. Why are you anxious? What's going on? And what do you mean it's been like this for life? Is it because you grew up in a really stressful household? That's certainly a possibility, and that needs to be addressed. But is it also possible that you got an infection, such as Lyme disease, that tripped off an autoimmune reaction that is now not attacking just the bug, but is attacking your brain itself? And indeed, Dr. Sueto uh, define this whole condition of PANS PANDAS, uh, pediatric acquired neuropsychiatric disorder, uh, acute onset rather, neuropsychiatric disorder is a result of, in PANDAS case, strep, and in mm. other cases is a result of a variety of other infections. Well, it turns out that this happens in adults also. And so looking for infections, strep, Lyme, and other tick-borne diseases, uh, Bartonella in particular, um, and mycoplasma pneumonia, there's a whole bunch of, but you got to ask the question. Chronic Epstein-Barr leading chronic fatigue and chronic depression. you got to ask the question, and unless you do the right test, unless you think about what the proper testing is, you miss the diagnosis, and you don't get the right answers. So we're leaving a good, I don't know, 20 million people sick who don't need to be sick because they've been told they're crazy, when in fact they're not crazy, they're sick. Mm. And we've missed the diagnosis. And so this whole business of the impact of, of, of bugs causing psychiatric illness is extremely important mm-hmm. and needs to be uh, paid attention to, and the diagnoses need to be made. And then you also need to look at the immune system and see if that's been injured as well. It's a complex problem, but the reality of the matter is inflammation, chronic depression, chronic anxiety disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders, um, and uh, bipolar disorder all tie in. Wow. So you're noticing a reoccurring pattern of being sick, and we've talked and touched on a little of these, a few of these things. What are the key steps to take to reverse the inflammatory cycle? So 
again, we're talking about the basics, right? Sleep, exercise, uh, proper diet, and I will add in meditation, okay? I spend an hour every morning doing meditation, doing Qigong and doing uh, other meditative practices. So building that into your routine on a regular basis, we know is anti-inflammatory in the central nervous system and strengthens the immune system. So those are the basics, and those are all in your hands to do. Otherwise, you've got to get proper testing. And the book I wrote, While You're Still Sick, is a self-help book. This is a book that I wrote because I've got so many people who are suffering with this stuff, I can't possibly see them. So what I wanted to do was put in their hands a step-by-step approach of how to think about this, testing that you can do. We've listed a lot of the labs that we use. We have no financial connection with any of these guys. So it's about how I can get this information into as many people's hands as possible to help them recover. And so that's why I wrote the book, Why You're Still Sick. And that's the purpose of the book, step by step by step, how to think about this differently, what testing you can do, and how you can recover. And that's that's the goal. That's what I would love to see happen. That is awesome. And if nothing else works, are there treatment options? Well, if nothing else works for what? Uh, chronic pain. Well, you know, sometimes we're stuck and we have to use the pain medications and there's a time and a place for using opioids and there's a time and a place for using the anti-seizure meds and uh, some of the antidepressant meds. And that's the interesting thing. A lot of these drugs are labeled within this category because that's what they were originally developed for. But the reality of the matter is uh, they have impacts on the brain and there's lots of things that we can do in order to help that. So the very first thing you do is we want to find out, is there an underlying problem that we missed, and can we fix it? And then secondly, uh, what do we do in order to treat the symptoms? Getting sleep uh, is crucial in order to help this, because sleep is one of the things that detoxifies the brain. And so making sure we're protecting, I just talked with a patient last night who's having severe chronic pain and problems with uh, sleep disorders. The very first thing we're going to work on with her is getting her sleep. You think you want to fix the pain, but the reality of the matter is if you fix the sleep, you'll start fixing the pain. Because if I take you and I put you in a sleep lab and I wake you up, every sleep isn't a thing, it's multiple stages. And I wake you up during stage three, four sleep, for a week, you'll be in chronic pain. So making sure we preserve not just the amount of sleep, but the stages of sleep, the architecture of the sleep is extremely important uh, as part of your recovery. And so making sure we're giving you the right medications to do that. And by the way, the right medications to do that are not Lunesta and Ambien uh, (laughs) and the classical medications we reach for in order to help you sleep. Melatonin, by the way, is a lovely antioxidant in the central nervous system Uh uh, and helps reduce inflammation that can help with sleep. L-theanine is another, is an amino acid that can be very helpful in terms of quieting the brain and helping you get to sleep. So there's a number of things that can be done herbally or with supplements in order to be able to help you get to sleep. And so we also utilize Chinese medicine. So Chinese medicine is a different way of looking at the body. It uses herbal approaches uh, and it uses acupuncture. So acupuncture is a way of rebalancing the energetics of the body. And acupuncture has been proven to be extremely effective uh, in, re- in treatment of pain. And so that's something that we want to use. It's also been effective in uh, treating people with uh, depression and anxiety disorders, and probably because it works via reduction of inflammation in the central nervous system. I had the privilege of uh, 
serving as one of the founding members of the American Academy of Medical Acupuncture. I also helped uh, introduce acupuncture to the medical profession through the consensus conference at the National Institute of Health. And so uh, I've been doing this my entire career, and I've always been astonished by how effective acupuncture can be using herbal approaches in combination with that based on Chinese medicine can also be highly effective for helping with a whole array of problems. Well, we may need to have you back on to just explore that <laughs> right, right. for an episode. We're speaking with Dr. Gary Kaplan. He's medical director at Kaplan Center for Integrative Medicine and clinical associate professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine. We've got one more segment with him, and we'll do that right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. If you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, head online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong. She's Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Dr. Gary Kaplan. Dr. Kaplan is medical director at Kaplan Center for Integrative Medicine and clinical associate professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine. And we've been talking uh, all throughout the show about chronic illness and chronic pain and we also want to broach the topic of brain fog. Mm-hmm. I, I heard you mention it earlier, and I was thinking when you said that word, I was thinking, is it me today? Have I taken my allergy medicine? Did I not get any sleep? Am I stressed? Do I have dementia? I don't know. Um, but it's something I'm experiencing all the time. Um, I, and I've heard from other people who have similar concerns, especially coming out of the pandemic. I'm forgetting things. Where are my keys? I'd, someone said to me the other day, do you remember talking to me about XYZ? I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Um, What are the causes of brain fog? (laughs) Brain fog, again, is ultimately an inflammation in the central nervous system. That is, again, a whole array of things that can cause it. And stress is certainly one of the things that can start inflammation in the brain. Again, you have to think, we talk about these symptoms, okay? Brain fog, stress, um, pain, they're symptoms. They're not the underlying problem. The underlying problem is, in these cases, inflammation in the brain, the central nervous system. And so stress is one of the things that can cause inflammation in the central nervous. That's how it works. Stress causes the brain and microglia to become activated, and that creates an inflammatory response in the brain. So uh, what we need to pay attention to, and, and brain fog, by the way, is a whole big issue, right? So there's brain fog where I'm just not sharp today and I'm just not on my having trouble finding words. And, and there's brain fog where I have had people who cannot read for more than five minutes mm-hmm. because they can't keep track of what they're reading. They can't remember a blessed word of what they just wrote. And then they start developing headaches and exhaustion and they're out of it. And so on those people, one of the things I always teach is pacing, not pushing. So we don't want you getting so 
debilitated that you can't function. So if reading, for instance, I had this particular individual uh, pace himself so that he read for four minutes and then took a break for 20. And as we were treating him and slowly increased the amount of time he could spend reading and spend uh, doing other activities, he got progressively better. So he's now fully recovered and able uh, to do whatever he wants to do. Uh, but so we have to take this business of brain fog seriously. It is indicative of your brain is inflamed. Now, that may be because you have sleep apnea and you're not getting a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. So not getting a good night's sleep doesn't allow the brain to detoxify. And getting hypoxic, where you're losing oxygen to the brain, is really a problem. Sleep apnea, by the way, I'm a big, big advocate on diagnosing and treating sleep apnea. Sleep apnea will take 10 years off your life, mm -hmm. cause high blood pressure cause obesity. Sleep apnea is an extremely important thing not to miss, and it's very easy to diagnose. And so if you're snoring, if you're having trouble staying awake during the day, if you're not waking up fully rested, if you get to a stop sign at night and you find yourself dozing off, nodding off, if you're in meetings, out in theaters, and you find yourself nodding off, you need to pay attention. You need to get evaluated. Mm -hmm. So this business of fatigue, this business of brain fog, is something we want to pay a lot of attention to. They are the early warning signs, and sometimes they're the late consequences of a problem going on, and we need to get those addressed early on. Other things you want to pay attention to are you know, the basics. How's your thyroid? Hmm. Right? Are you, is it early hypothyroidism? That we want to make sure. So as we're doing this stuff, we don't want to neglect the basics of our medical exam and basis of our medical testing, but we want to expand beyond that to make sure we're not missing everything, right? Is your gut poisoning you? So that if you have overgrowth of certain bacteria in the gut, such as Clostridium difficile, that can produce chemicals called creosol or HPHPA, which are neurotoxins. And so testing has to be done to see whether or not that's part of the reason you're having focus and concentration issues, because your gut's inflamed. Your gut's not healthy, your brain's not healthy. It goes back and forth. So there's lots you have to do, and the first thing you have to do is pay attention. If you're having problems with focus and concentration, if you're having problems with fatigue, the first thing you need to do is step back and say, okay, what's going on? Am I under stress that's creating inflammation? Am I not exercising enough? Am I not getting enough sleep, or am I getting improper sleep? All of those questions need to be asked first. What's my nutrition like? And then you need to see whether or not long-haul COVID Logo COVID, one of the big symptoms of logo COVID is fatigue and brain fog. So is there an ongoing problem with inflammation in my brain because of an infection mm -hmm. that injured the immune system? So these are the things we want to look at. What we need to look at these things as take them seriously and pay attention so that they're not just, they're the symptoms, what's the underlying problem? Dr. Kaplan, you've been so very generous with your time today. I do want to—I did want to give you a chance here to talk about your upcoming book, Why You Are Still Sick. Can you tell us a little bit about that and when folks can expect it to be released? So the book's official release date is June 14th. Uh, it'll be posted on Amazon starting um, the end of this week, whichever we are. Um, and uh, it'll be posted on Amazon for pre-sale. You can also go to my website at Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N, clinic.com, and you can get the entire first chapter of the book now, 
and we'll also uh, give you a ebook, a free ebook that tells you about long haul COVID. So those things are available for you right now, KaplanClinic.com, in pre-ordering the book. But the book will be available for sale. The book is about putting a lot of what we do here in the, in the center every day into your hands, helping you understand how how you got sick and how you can recover. And so it's a self-help book geared toward helping you regain your health. There's also enough that referenced out the wazoo. So originally I had over a thousand references for the book because I'm a physician, I'm a researcher. I wanted to make it bulletproof. So this is also information you can share with your physician and it will help educate them as well. So this is about putting information, tools in your hand so that you can recover your health or help your loved ones recover their health. So why you're still sick is about helping you recover. It's a self-help book. Excellent. And again, if you want to learn more about the book, Why You Are Still Sick, uh, you can go to kaplanclinic.com. That's kaplanclinic.com. He is Dr. Gary Kaplan, Medical Director at Kaplan Center for Integrative Medicine and Clinical Associate Professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine. Dr. Kaplan, I feel like we could have talked to you all day, but uh, I appreciate you again being so generous with your time. And thank you so much for sharing so much valuable information uh, related to your expertise with our listeners. It's been a complete privilege being here on the show. And I want to commend both of you for what you're doing to help the community in terms of educating them and helping them have optimal health. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll, we'll direct that praise in the, uh, in the line of Mary and Transitions Life Care because they are the ones that are doing such a, a wonderful service for the community here. And in fact, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to head online to transitionslifecare.org. There's plenty of information and resources there. And there's also some career opportunities for you if you're uh, looking for a career in nursing or uh, a, a variety of positions available there. Head on over to transitionslifecare.org if you're in, in the job search category and looking for a wonderful place to work. And don't forget, go to WPTF.com if you want to catch up on past episodes or maybe you want to share this episode that we just did with Dr. Kaplan with a friend. You can do that by going to WPTF.com. Click on the podcast button from there find the Aging Matters section. And as I said, you can find this episode as well as all of our past episodes as well. WPTF.com. Just click on that podcast button to learn more. We're out of time for today. We thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate Dr. Gary Kaplan as our guest today, and we hope you will join us again next week. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.